Hello everybody, welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a movie, as we do. Uh, it's a movie called Lamb. Has anyone seen Lamb? I feel like people should see Lamb. Alright. Look, if you're into weird shit, for example, if you saw... Um, What's that weird one with uh, Robert Pattinson and uh, oh, the Lighthouse? If you're into that kind of shit, if you're into A24 movies, you just might like this. Um, I didn't see it recently, but I did feel an, a, a compulsion to say something about it to get people to watch it. And I don't mean everyone, but I mean the, that specific kind of pocket of people that enjoy a good weird story once in a while. <coughs> this one takes place on a f on a goat farm with a, a you know youngish uh, couple who have lost a child. And uh, the beginning of the movie, I first thought was extremely boring. Uh, you're going to have to want to, I'm sorry, you're going to want to have a tolerance for the slow burn, because that's what this movie is. The first 30 minutes is pretty much farm chores. So, if you're not into that, if you can't stand people, you know, lobbing hay, hay around and um, milking cows um, and milking goats, you just got to suffer through that for the first 30 minutes. And there's a reason for that, which I'll get into. Um, so this couple has a goat farm. One of the sheep gives birth to a lamb-human hybrid. It's basically a lamb head on a human body with a hoof instead of an arm. Um, oh, by the way, this is all spoilers. And that's not really a spoiler, but I feel like it might be. Um, so we're talking, they help this this sheep give birth, and it's, it's, it's this weird freak fiendish thing that shouldn't exist. Uh, but they're like, what else do we do but care for it? So they take it in, and they start raising it as their own child. Um, and it becomes for a little while just like a, a movie about a couple adjusting to having a child. It doesn't even seem weird. Uh, they're so quickly normalizing the situation, um, that the audience doesn't even realize quite, like, you guys know this is a weird, uh, thing that's going on here, right? They don't, they don't want to hear it. At one point, the, uh, the, I was calling the dad, the dad's brother shows up. Uh, he's tossed out of a car for whatever reason. And he showed up at their farm and he soon learns of the lamb. The lamb has a name, but I can't remember it and I feel stupid, but I'm not going to look it up either. I'll just own it. Um, the brother learns of the lamb, 
and he immediately thinks this is an abomination. He even tells his brother this isn't this isn't right. What you're doing, and his brother just tells him, or the dad tells him, if you don't like it, you can leave, but you know, don't tell us how to live our lives. Don't judge me. Um, there's a very tense moment where you think the brother is going to kill the lamb, but uh, he does not. He ends up um, with the lamb in his lap in a recliner. And it just goes to show, like, how tethered we are to family. And, you know, even if he thought this thing was an abomination, it was still, you know, a piece of his life. It's his brother's child, you know. So, um, we are introduced about halfway through the movie to a large goat man. Uh, it's okay CGI. Um, I guess it's implied that he had sex with the goat and he's the, go the, the lamb's father. I don't really care. Um... All I know is the ending is very sad. And I don't want to give the, the the entire ending away. So I'll, I'm going to stop there. But um, the whole cold opening, there is a purpose to it, all right? So there's, you know, the language of cinema or whatever. Uh, you have a very cold cold, <coughs> almost unloving couple doing going about doing their farm chores, you know, in the beginning of the movie, and by the middle, towards the end of the second act, they're with this child, and they're bonding as a family, and um, they, they make love, and it's, it's, um, they be they feel like they're in they they have a fo a whole family like they intended, um, and that's the whole point of that. Uh, the beginning is meant to feel kind of stale and kind of chorish. Um, once the lamb comes into the picture, it feels like there's there's scenes where they're just sitting around eating, and it's uh, there isn't. Um, there's nothing horrible happening, uh, and um, yeah, it's just uh, it's an interesting, I guess, kind of a character study. There's not really like a, some kind of a grand theme um, that I can identify. Hopefully, somebody else can. Uh, but I don't feel like there's. I feel like it, it feels like a. I told somebody earlier, it feels like a novella. Like something <coughs> you can kind of digest pretty easily, but it's just a strange tale, or it's some kind of like um, like a little Twilight Zone episode or something. Um, so I couldn't, I, I I can't go beyond that in terms of like what the theme of it was. 
there was a very strong scene with family of um of regret of uh straight up just yes i would recommend lamb to people that want to watch weird shit this film that's about <coughs> motherhood and um family and bonding it doesn't sound like it's a horror movie and it really i'm gonna have to say it's not a horror movie it's a it's more of a if, if there were a genre called disturbing it would be in that it w it's not a scary movie it's just weird so go in expecting something weird uh, don't go in expecting it to move along at a the pace of a of most movies nowadays it it it's a slow it's a slow burn so just let it burn but it's a good movie check it out uh this has been film juice and i am recommending lamb to you you weirdo um and only to weirdos so thank you for listening and uh have a good uh whatever it is have a good one hello and welcome to film juice i'm mike and today we're not going to be talking about a film today we're going to start our discussion of disney's marvel's moon knight a supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder which is actually pretty serious and it's not schizophrenia it's, it's not supernatural so just say that uh moon knight is a character i'm familiar with but i haven't really been a huge fan of because in the comics he's kind of a supernatural batman he's never struck me that as that interesting until you know until a, a couple of recent well one specific run that i read one issue of um so uh i i did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s, uh, but I, that's basically it. That's all I know about the character. The reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant, um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late to work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly, you know, he's, he's socially awkward, um, to the extent that his social life involves talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone, a person who never answers the phone. Um... So, the episode opens with this very, very introduction. Um, we also learn that he has a, he's made a date that he seemingly doesn't remember making at all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer, which was him strapping himself to the bed, him um, tr 
trying to uh, uh, dictate to the doors to see when he wakes up if he got up or not. Uh, and then the, the stand around the bed. Uh, the show stops to tell you that Stephen basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well, I think the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so um, oh, also, he speaks this, he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man. People he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is. Well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Stephen has apparently stolen. Um, so. We learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um... He runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred, um, and he he takes off. He gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great. Um, car chase where he glitches some more and we don't see the aftermath we don't see all of the action there's pieces there that are left to the imagination and um, it's a very creative way of uh, of showing of being in Steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening um, so he, he wakes up from this he checks his locks he checks the safe he checks the everything, all of his precautions, and, uh, apparently everything's fine. So he goes out, uh, well, first of all, he learns that, uh, his goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode, we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, it's like a little Nemo goldfish. Um, and, uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and why bother him, he had one. Of course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now this is when he learns at the restaurant 
that uh, three days have passed and he missed the date, um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so uh, this is the height, I think, Oscar Isaac's performance. Um, I'm sorry, Oscar, I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name. Oscar Isaac's performance, I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode. The camera holds on him for a good, like, 30 seconds while he processes what a living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in, he's nearly in tears and almost fearing for, you know, himself, for what's happening to him, um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his uh, non-date and uh, back at his apartment he's finally confronted by Mark in a mirror, Mark Spector the mercenary who stole the scarab um, and then he you know, he flees his apartment and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building who is given a very nifty look very reminiscent of uh, I think what I've seen from the recent comics, I'm not going to pretend I've read them but I've seen I've seen some panels, and, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is, uh, the menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this, uh, giant, uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work, and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab, and uses his Scales of Balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen, only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Steven, and that Steven has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Steven in the museum, like a nine-foot jackal. Um, and Steven is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom? It looks like a room of just a bunch of sinks and mirrors, I didn't see a single stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Steven gives over to Mark. Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those nifty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the Jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the Jackal, and, um, later, he, uh, just kind of casually delivers a killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um... Something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some... I haven't read too many um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was... Uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, the goldfish problem is... The goldfish problem in the show, which is... The, 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 the awakening for Steven, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm missing days here. Um, so, um, what I read as the goldfish problem is, you know, the literal goldfish problem, which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings. I actually think I saw something recently about, like, a four-pound goldfish found in a lake. So, it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen, kind of a meek, small man, being thrust into a larger situation, where things as simple as that. Um, and so he's going to grow, his powers are going to grow, and 
his um I think just from this episode we can assume his his ability to willingly shift between personalities his that ability is going to grow um which leads me to my next bit of uh speculation the uh this mum who he's calling so if he's calling his mother she's never answering the phone but she's constantly sending postcards which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode um This leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, you know, who cares? But they never answer. So I'm thinking this is the third personality. We've seen Mark, we've seen Steven. This is number three. Um, I, <laughs> sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics, but uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself, um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damn best to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya. Hello, and welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike, and today we're not going to be talking about a film. Today we're going to start our discussion of Disney's Marvel's Moon Knight. Supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder, which is actually pretty serious. And it's not schizophrenia, it's, it's not supernatural, so just say that. Uh, Moon Knight is a character I'm familiar with, but I haven't really been a huge fan of because in the comics he's kind of a supernatural Batman. He's never struck me that as that interesting until, you know, until a couple of recent. Well, one specific run that I read one issue of. Um, so, uh, I, I did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s. Uh, but I, that's basically it. That's all I know about the character. The reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney Plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to the comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant. Um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late to work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly. You know, he's, he's socially awkward um, to the extent that his social life involves talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone, a person who never answers the phone. Um, so, the episode opens with this very, this very introduction. Um, we also learn that he has a, he's made a date that he seemingly doesn't remember making at all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show 
basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer, which was him strapping himself to the bed, him um, trying to uh, uh, dictate to the door to see when he wakes up if he got up or not, uh, and then the, the stand around the bed. Uh, the show stops to tell you that Stephen basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well, I think al the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so, um, oh, also, he speaks this he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man, to people he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so, uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is, well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain, Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Stephen has apparently stolen. Um, so, we learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um, he runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred. Um, and he, he takes off, he gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great um, car chase where he glitches some more, and we don't see the aftermath, we don't see all of the action, there's pieces there that are left to the imagination, and um, it's a very creative way of, uh, of showing, of being in Steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening. Um, so he, he wakes up from this, he checks his locks, he checks the tape, he checks the, you know, everything, all of his precautions, and uh, apparently everything's fine. So he goes out, uh, well first of all, he learns that uh, his goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, it's like a little Nemo goldfish. Um, and uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and my bottle he had one. 
course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo, and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now, this is when he learns at the restaurant that uh, three days have passed, and he missed the date, um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so, uh, he this is the height, I think, Oscar Isaac's performance. Um, I'm sorry, Oscar, I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name. Oscar Isaac's performance, I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode, is the camera holds on him for a good, like, 30 seconds while he processes what the living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in, he's nearly in tears and almost fearing for, you know, himself, for what's happening to him, um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his uh, non-date, and at back to his apartment, he's finally confronted by Mark in a mirror, Mark Sector, the mercenary who stole the scarabs. Um, and then he, you know, he flees his apartment, and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building, who is given a very nifty look, very reminiscent of, uh, I think, what I've seen from the recent comics. I'm not going to pretend I've read them, but I've seen I've seen some panels, and uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is uh, a menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this uh, giant uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work, and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab, and uses his Scales of Balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen, only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Stephen, and that Stephen has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Stephen in the museum, like a nine-foot jackal. Um, and Stephen is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom? It looks like a room of just a bunch of sinks and mirrors, hiding the tears from the stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Steven gives over to Mark. Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those nifty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the Jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the Jackal, and, um, later, he, uh, just kind of casually delivers a killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um, something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some, I haven't read too many, um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, the goldfish problem is the goldfish problem in the show, which is the, 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 the awakening for Steven, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm missing days here. Um, so, um, what I read as the goldfish problem is, you know, the literal goldfish problem, which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings. I actually think I saw something recently about, like, a four-pound goldfish found in a lake. So, it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen, 
kind of a meek, small man being thrust into a larger situation. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and so he's going to grow. His powers are going to grow. And his, um, I think just from this episode, we can assume his, his ability to willingly shift between personalities, his, that ability is going to grow. Um, which leads me to my next bit of uh, speculation the uh, this mum who he's calling. So if he's calling his mother, she's never answering the phone, but she's constantly sending postcards, which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode. Um, this leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, you know, who cares? But they never answer. So I'm thinking this is the third personality. We've seen Mark, we've seen Steven, this is number three. Um, I <laughs> sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics, but uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself, um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious, and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up, and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damn best to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya. Hello and welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike, and today we're not going to be talking about a film. Today we're going to start our discussion of Disney's Marvel's Moon Knight. A supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Which is actually pretty serious. And it's not schizophrenia, it's not supernatural, so just say that. Uh, Moon Knight is a character I'm familiar with, but I haven't really been a huge fan of, because in the comics he's kind of a supernatural Batman, and he's never struck me that as that interesting until, you know, until a, a couple of recent, well, one specific run that I read one issue of. Um, so, uh, I, I did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s, uh, but I, that's basically it, that's all I know about the character. The reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant, um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late for work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly, you know, he's, he's socially awkward, um, to the extent that his social life involves talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone, a person who never answers the phone. Um, so, the episode opens with this very, this very introduction, um, we also learn that he has a he's made a date that he's seemingly 
doesn't remember making at all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer, which was him strapping himself to the bed, him um, trying to uh, uh, dictate to the door to see when he wakes up if he got up or not, uh, and then the, the stand around the bed. Uh, the show stops to tell you that Steven basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well, I think al the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so um, also, he speaks this he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man. People he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so, uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is, well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain, Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Ethan has apparently stolen. Um, so, we learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um, he runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred, um, and he he takes off. He gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great. Um, car chase where he glitches some more and we don't see the aftermath we don't see all of the action there's pieces there that are left to the imagination and um, it's a very creative way of, uh, of showing of being in Steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening um, so he, he wakes up from this he checks his locks he checks the tape he checks the, you know everything all of his precautions and uh, apparently everything's fine so he goes out, uh, well, first of all, he learns that uh, his goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode, we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, little Nemo goldfish. Um, and uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. 
So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and why bother him, he has one. Of course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now this is when he learns at the restaurant that uh, three days have passed and he missed the date, um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so uh, he, this is the height, I think, Oscar Isaac's performance. Um, I'm sorry, Oscar, I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name. Oscar Isaac's performance, I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode, is the camera holds on him for a good, like, 30 seconds while he processes what the living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in he's nearly in tears and almost fearing for his, you know, himself, for what's happening to him. Um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his uh, non-date and back to his apartment. He's finally confronted by Mark in a mirror, Mark Spector, the mercenary who stole the store. Um, and then he, you know, he flees his apartment, and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building, who is given a very misty look, very reminiscent of, uh, I think, what I've seen from the recent comics. I'm not going to pretend I've read them, but I've seen, I've seen some panels, and, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is, uh, the menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this, uh, giant, uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work, and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab, and uses his Scales of Balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen, only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Stephen, and that Stephen has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Stephen in the museum, like a nine-foot jackal. Um, and Stephen is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom, it looks like a room of just a bunch of sinks and mirrors, I didn't see a single stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Stephen gives over to Mark, Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those misty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the jackal. And, um, later, he, uh, just kind of casually delivers a killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um, something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some, I haven't read too many, um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was, uh... You know, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, the goldfish problem is the goldfish problem in the show, which is the 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 the, the awakening for Stephen, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm missing days here. Um, so, and... What I read as the goldfish problem is, you know, the literal goldfish problem, which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings. 
I actually think I saw something recently about like a four-pound goldfish found in a lake. So it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen, kind of a meek, small man, being thrust into a larger situation. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and so he's going to grow, his powers are going to grow, and his, um, I think just from this episode, we can assume his, his ability to willingly shift between personalities, his, that ability is going to grow, um, which leads me to my next bit of, uh, speculation, the, uh, this mum who he's calling. So if he's calling his mother, she's never answering the phone, but she's constantly sending postcards, which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode. Um, this leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, you know, who cares? But they never answer. So I'm thinking this is the third personality. We've seen Mark, we've seen Steven. This is number three. Um, I can't... Sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics, but uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself, um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious, and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up, and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damn best to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya. Hello and welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike, and today we're not going to be talking about a film. Today we're going to start our discussion of Disney's Marvel's Moon Knight. A supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Which is actually pretty serious. And it's not schizophrenia, it's, it's not supernatural, so just say that. Uh, Moon Knight is a character I'm familiar with, but I haven't really been a huge fan of, because in the comics he's kind of a supernatural Batman, and it never struck me that as that interesting until, you know, until a, a couple of recent, well, one specific run that I read one issue of. Um, so, uh, I, I did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s, uh, but I, that's basically it, that's all I know about the character, the reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant, um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late for work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly, you know, he's, he's socially awkward, um, to the extent that his social life involves talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone, the person who never answers the phone. Um, so, 
the episode opens with this very very introduction um we also learn that he has a he's made a date that he seemingly doesn't remember making at all um there's a point in this opening part where the show basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer which was him strapping himself to the bed him um trying to uh uh dictate to the door to see when he wakes up if he got up or not uh and then the, the stand around the bed uh the show stops to tell you that Stephen basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. The exactly, well, I think the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so um, oh, also, he speaks this he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man. People he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so, uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is, well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain, Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Stephen has apparently stolen. Um, so, we learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um, he runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred, um, and he he takes off. He gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great. Um, car chase where he glitches some more and we don't see the aftermath we don't see all of the action there's pieces there that are left to the imagination and um it's a very creative way of uh of showing of being in steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening um so he he wakes up from this he checks his locks he checks the tape he checks the you know everything all of his precautions and uh apparently everything's fine so he goes out, uh, well, first of all, he learns that, uh, his goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode, we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, it's like a little Nemo goldfish. 
Um, and uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and why bother he had one. Of course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now this is when he learns at the restaurant that uh, three days have passed and he missed the date. Um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so uh, he, this is the height, I think, Oscar Isaac's performance. Um, I'm sorry, Oscar, I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name. Oscar Isaac's performance, I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode. Is the camera holds on him for a good, like, 30 seconds while he processes what the living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in he's nearly in tears and almost fearing for, you know, himself, for what's happening to him, um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his, uh, non-date, and at back his apartment, he's finally confronted by Mark and Amira, Mark Spector, the mercenary who stole the scarab. Um, and then he, you know, he flees his apartment, and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building, who is given a very nifty look, very reminiscent of, uh, I think, what I've seen from the recent comics. I'm not going to pretend I've read them, but I've seen, I've seen some panels, and, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is, uh, a menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this, uh, giant, uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work, and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab, and uses his Scales of Balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen, only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Stephen, and that Stephen has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Stephen in the museum, like a nine-foot jackal. Um, and Stephen is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom, it looks like a room of just a bunch of sinks and mirrors, I didn't see a clear stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Stephen gives over to Mark, Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those nifty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the jackal. And, um, later, he, uh, just kind of casually delivers a killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um, something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some, I haven't read too many, um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was, uh... You know, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, the goldfish problem is the goldfish problem in the show, which is the 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 the, the awakening for Stephen, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm missing days here. Um, so, um, what I read as the goldfish problem is, you know, 
the literal goldfish problem, which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings. I actually think I saw something recently about like a four pound goldfish found in a lake. So it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen, kind of a meek small man, being thrust into a larger situation where things are simple as ever. Um, and so he's going to grow, his powers are going to grow, and his, um, I think just from this episode, we can assume his, his ability to willingly shift between personalities, his, that ability is going to grow, um, which leads me to my next bit of, uh, speculation, the, uh, this mum who he's calling. So if he's calling his mother, she's never answering the phone, but she's constantly sending postcards, which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode. Um, this leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, you know, who cares? But they never answer. So I'm thinking this is the third personality. We've seen Mark, we've seen Steven. This is number three. Um, I can't... <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics, but uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself, um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious, and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up, and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damnedest to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya. Hello and welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike, and today we're not going to be talking about a film. Today we're going to start our discussion of Disney's Marvel's Moon Knight. A supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Which is actually pretty serious. And it's not schizophrenia, it's, it's not supernatural, so just so you know. Uh, Moon Knight is a character I'm familiar with, but I haven't really been a huge fan of, because in the comics he's kind of a supernatural Batman, and he's never struck me that as that interesting until, you know, until a, a couple of recent, well, one specific run that I read one issue of. Um, so, uh, I, I did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s, uh, but I, that's basically it, that's all I know about the character. The reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney Plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to the comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant, um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late to work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly, you know, he's, he's socially awkward, um, to the extent that his social life involves talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone 
the person who never answers the phone. Um, so the episode opens with this very, very introduction. Um, we also learn that he has a he's made a date that he seemingly doesn't remember making at all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer, which was him strapping himself to the bed, him um, trying to uh, uh, dictate to the door to see when he wakes up if he got up or not, uh, and then the, the stand around the bed. Uh, the show stops to tell you that Steven basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these, to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well, I think al the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so um, also, he speaks this he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man, people he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so, uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is, well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain, Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Stephen has apparently stolen. Um, so, we learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um, he runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred. Um, and he, he takes off, he gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great um, car chase where he glitches some more, and we don't see the aftermath, we don't see all of the action, there's pieces there that are left to the imagination, and um, it's a very creative way of, uh, of showing, of being in Steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening. Um, so he, he wakes up from this, he checks his locks, he checks the tape, he checks his, you know, everything, all of his precautions, and uh, apparently everything's fine. So he goes out, uh, well, first of all, he learns that uh, his 
goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode, we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, it's like a little Nemo goldfish. Um, and uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and why bother he had one. Of course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now this is when he learns at the restaurant that uh, three days have passed and he missed the date, um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so, uh, he, this is the height, I think, Oscar Isaac's performance, um, I'm sorry, Oscar, I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name, Oscar Isaac's performance, I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode, is the camera holds on him for a good, like, 30 seconds while he processes what the living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in He's nearly in tears and almost fearing for, you know, himself, for what's happening to him. Um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his uh, non-date and back to his apartment. He's finally confronted by Mark in a mirror. Mark Spector, the mercenary who stole the scarab. Um, and then he, you know, he flees his apartment, and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building, who is given a very misty look, very reminiscent of, uh, I think, what I've seen from the recent comics. I'm not going to pretend I've read them, but I've seen, I've seen some panels, and, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is, uh, the menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this, uh, giant, uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work, and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab, and uses his Scales of Balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen, only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Stephen, and that Stephen has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Stephen in the museum, like a nine-foot jackal. Um, and Steven is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom, it looks like a room of just a bunch of tinsel mirrors, I didn't see a single stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Steven gives over to Mark, Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those misty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the jackal. And, um, later, he, uh, just kind of casually delivers a killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um, something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some, I haven't read too many, um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was, uh, you know, I, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, The Goldfish Problem is goldfish problem in the show, which is the 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 the, the awakening for Stephen, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. You know, I'm missing days here. Um, 
so um what I read as the goldfish problem is you know the literal goldfish problem which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings I actually think I saw something recently about like a four pound goldfish found in a lake so it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen kind of a meek small man being thrust into a larger situation where things as simple as that um, and so he's going to grow his powers are going to grow and his um, I think just from this episode we can assume his, his ability to willingly shift between personalities his that ability is going to grow um, which leads me to my next bit of uh, speculation the uh, this mum who he's calling. So if he's calling his mother, she's never answering the phone, but she's constantly sending postcards, which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode. Um, this leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, so you're like, okay, but they never answer. So I'm thinking this is a third personality. We've seen Mark, we've seen Steven, this is number three. Um, I can't Sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics, but uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself, um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious, and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so uh, there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up, and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damn best to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya. Hello and welcome to Film Juice. I'm Mike and today we're not going to be talking about a film. Today we're going to start our discussion of Disney's Marvel's Moon Knight. A supernatural series whose antagonist suffers from dissociative identity disorder. Which is actually pretty serious. And it's not schizophrenia, it's, it's not supernatural, so just say that. Uh, Moon Knight is a character I'm familiar with, but I haven't really been a huge fan of. Because in the comics, he's kind of a supernatural Batman. He's never struck me that as that interesting until, you know, until a, a couple of recent, well, one specific run that I read one issue of. Um, so, uh, I, I did read one of Warren Ellis's issues from, I think, a few years ago, and then I read a reboot from the 80s, uh, but I, that's basically it, that's all I know about the character. The reboot gave me a good origin story, but uh, I'm coming at this from more of a Disney Plus Marvel fan, and I'm basically really sloppy in the Moon Knight area when it comes to the comic book, the comic book knowledge. Uh, so Oscar Isaacs plays Stephen Grant. Um, he's just this stereotypically hapless everyman who's always late for work, he gets crappy shifts, he's treated badly. You know, he's, he's socially awkward, um, 
to the extent that his social life involved talking with his goldfish and leaving messages to his mum's phone, a person who never answers the phone. Um, so the episode opens with this very, this very introduction. Um, we also learn that he has a, he's made a date that he seemingly doesn't remember making at all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show basically stops in its tracks to turn and tell the audience exactly what's up with everything that you saw in the trailer, which was him strapping himself to the bed, him, um, trying to, uh, uh, dictate to the door to see when he wakes up if he got up or not, uh, and then the, the stand around the bed. Uh, the show stops to tell you that Steven basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these, to take these steps and to try to also keep himself awake at night for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done or what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well, I think the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about, and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him, um, possibly just in more innocuous ways than later on. Um, so um, also, he speaks this, he speaks about his condition to one of those English golden statue guys that hang around fountains. I think this is a case of Stephen only trusting those who can't speak back to him because perhaps subconsciously he's already hearing the voice of another personality. Um, it's kind of a pattern. He's, he talks to his fish, talks to mum, talks to English golden statue man. People he can trust that he doesn't have to hear anything back from. Um, so, uh, we're finally treated to one of his blackout episodes. It's got this great action scene. Um, starts off with Mark somewhere in the Alps. He ends up in a town where he is, well, we're all introduced to Ethan Hawke's villain, Arthur Harrow, who's looking for a golden scarab that Stephen has apparently stolen. Um, so, we learn that Harrow somehow has the ability to use this nifty tattoo of a weight balance to determine if someone will do evil or good in their future. So his goal is to basically eradicate the possibility of evil and, um, if need it be, murdering whoever it is that he judges. Um, he's got this cult that worships the goddess Amit, who does this exactly. She judges a priori. So, um, he runs into Harrow. Stephen tries to give up the the scarab, but uh, something is keeping him from letting go of it. Um, this leads to another blackout where Stephen glitches for a second. We don't see what happens, but he glitches back into Stephen. We see this uh, scene of violence has occurred, um, and he he takes off. He gets into a cupcake van, and uh, there's a really great. Um, car chase where he glitches some more and we don't see the aftermath we don't see all of the action there's pieces there that are left to the imagination and um it's a very creative way of uh of showing of being in steven's shoes and not knowing exactly what's happening um so he he wakes up from this he checks his locks he checks the tape he checks the you know everything all of his precautions and uh apparently everything's fine so he goes out, 
Well, first of all, he learns that uh, his goldfish has grown back its fin. At the beginning of the episode, we see that his goldfish has only one fin and one little, it's like a little Nemo goldfish. Um, and uh, when he wakes up from his blackout, he discovers that his goldfish has two fins. So he goes back to the pet store and causes a bit of a scene and says this goldfish has two fins and why bother him, he had one. Of course, you know, he's just treated as a weirdo and then he remembers he has that date that he didn't remember making before. Um, now this is when he learns at the restaurant that uh, three days have passed and he missed the date, um, which makes a lot of sense if you consider how many goldfish he may have killed in that time just by not being in the country to feed them. Uh, so uh, he, this is the height I think Oscar Isaac's performance. Um, I'm sorry, Oscar. I think I, I'm mispronouncing his name. Oscar Isaac's performance. I think this is the best part of his performance in this episode. Is the camera holds on him for a good like 30 seconds while he processes what a living hell his life has become, how out of control he is, how he's nearly in. He's nearly in tears and almost fearing for, you know, himself, for what's happening to him. Um, and how he's almost coming to terms, trying to come to terms with the fact that his, his dream may have been real. So, Mark leaves his uh, non-date and back to his apartment. He's finally confronted by Mark in a mirror. Mark Spector, the mercenary who stole the scarab. Um, and then he, you know, he flees his apartment, and then he's chased by the Egyptian god Khonshu through his apartment building, who is given a very misty look, very reminiscent of, uh, I think, what I've seen from the recent comics. I'm not going to pretend I've read them, but I've seen, I've seen some panels, and, uh, yeah, it looks pretty good. Um, and F. Murray Abraham is, uh, the menacing voice uh, as this, uh, this, uh, giant, uh, bird skeleton guy. Um, so Stephen returns to work and he finds Harrow waiting for him at the museum. Harrow demands a scarab and uses his scales of balance tattoo gimmick on Stephen only to find that the scales don't balance either way with Stephen and that Stephen has chaos in him. That night, uh, a jackal creature attacks Stephen in the museum like a nine foot jackal. Um, and Stephen is, uh, he locks himself in a, I guess a bathroom, it looks like a room of just a bunch of sinks and mirrors, I didn't see a single stall. Um, so, uh, this leads him to face Mark again in the mirror, and Mark says, come on, I can save us. So, we get our first glimpse of Moon Knight. Stephen gives over to Mark, Mark becomes Moon Knight, with those nifty wraps and the hood and everything, and in comes the jackal. Off screen, we hear him beat the shit out of the jackal. And um, later, he uh, just kind of casually delivers the killing blow, and that's the end of the episode. Um, something I wanted to address was the title of the episode, which is The Goldfish Problem. And I've seen, like, some... I haven't read too many um, interpretations of the title or watched any. Um, but I was... Uh, you know, I, I thought it was obvious that, yeah, of course, the goldfish problem is the goldfish problem in the show, which is the 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 the, the awakening for Stephen, where he realizes, you know, something's wrong here. 
you know, I'm missing days here. Um, so, um, what I read as the goldfish problem is, you know, the literal goldfish problem, which is how goldfish grow proportionately to their surroundings. I actually think I saw something recently about like a four pound goldfish found in a lake. So it's kind of a metaphor for Stephen, kind of a meek small man being thrust into a larger situation. I think it's as simple as that. Um, and so he's going to grow, his powers are going to grow, and his, um, I think just from this episode, we can assume his, his ability to willingly shift between personalities, his, that ability is going to grow. Um, which leads me to my next bit of uh, speculation, the, uh, this mum who he's calling. So if he's calling his mother, she's never answering the phone, but she's constantly sending postcards, which we see him posting at the beginning of the episode. Um, This leads me to believe, you know, because at first it's like, okay, it's his mom, you know, who cares? But they never answer. So I'm thinking this is the third personality. We've seen Mark. We've seen Steven. This is number three. Um, I <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember the name of the third personality from the comics. But uh, I believe this is what's going on here. I think he's calling himself. Um, and I think he's sending postcards to himself. Uh, I think this could be hilarious and uh, another another reason for his exhaustion, possibly just constant jet lag. Um, so there's some interesting mysteries laid out here in the first episode that I hope are um, are addressed later on. Uh, so far, it seems pretty fun. Uh, I'm hoping to get Johnny on here for the second episode so that we can get caught up, and we'll have one out one of these out for you every week. We'll do our damn best to do it. Um, until next time, I'm Mike, and we have been Film Juice. See ya.
so the episode opens with just a very cheery introduction. Um, we also learn that he has a made a date that he continues to discuss with the guy making it all. Um, there's a point in this opening part where the show basically is about to set the track stops to tell you that Stephen basically finds it sadly amusing that he has to force himself to take these to take these steps and to try to also keep himself engaged in life for as long as possible because he's afraid of what he's done and what he would do when he does finally fall asleep. He exactly, well I think the almost exact quote is, uh, it's like my body wants to get up and wander about and I don't even know about it until I wake up wherever. So this has already happened to him.
mom.